0: with me in your Bibles to Psalm 74 allow me again to say biggest honor in the world to be here I really mean that I was an NCC student a thousand years ago church that welcomed this kid from Ontario, and it was the preaching behind this pulpit that made a pretty powerful influence on my life, and uh, the kindness of uh, then pastor, now Bishop Woodward, who would take the time for me to make a beeline after his Bible studies and pepper him with questions. I appreciated that so much, and uh, had a great time at lunch today with Pastor Jack and Pastor Matt, it was awesome, and Alex, it was great. I am excited for tonight, I believe God's got a word for us. Psalm 74, for God is my King of old, hallelujah, working salvation in the midst of the earth, Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces. And gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach on this subject. Jesus boss of the dinosaurs Jesus boss of the dinosaurs Lord you're here pray God you'd be with us I pray Lord you'd help us God by your power move on us today by your word we pray In Jesus name everybody say amen you may be seated so I am missing my family a little bit today uh, it's already been mentioned last night that that I am married to this incredible woman uh, by the name of Stephanie, and uh, we met uh, at NCC um, because we're really into cliches, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we've we've been married um, about but will be 16 years um, this this coming May, and this right here or. Right here is my buddy, nine year old little boy, my son, Mr. Judah Shaw. And Judah is nine. And I know he told me he's going to be watching, and he, he knew that I was going to be talking about him tonight. So I want to preface the story that I'm about to tell is not from when he uh, was a big boy, because now he is, he's nine. But it's from when he was a little boy. Uh, He was six, so a lot smaller. Uh, Did not have the the depth of the understanding of the world that he currently now has. But it was when he was much younger. And so, yeah, this is Judah. This is from the summer. We were out fishing. Um, He would want me to tell you he caught the largest walleye of the day. Um, He was five pounds and uh, just over two feet long. He would feel that would be very important for you to know. And that this is his dog brother, Duke. And uh, and so when Judah was six, I was... Uh, mom was at work. And I was, um, I was babysitting uh, my son. Because uh, I guess that's what you call it when you're dad and you're working from home. My wife would call it doing, it, doing my job. Uh, I would call it uh, babysitting for free. And uh, he was... He was playing over in the corner, and I was deep into work, and I heard him crying underneath. He had a little trampoline. He had a club foot, and he'd jump on the trampoline, stretch his Achilles tendon. Live trivia, you don't really need to know, but that, he was underneath the trampoline, and he was crying. I heard him crying, and like a good father, I decided to give him 20, 25 minutes or so to you know, just kind of work it out of his system, And uh, but he kept crying, and... And so finally, I was like, I really do need uh, to see what's going on. And so I called him over, and he got up in my arms, and he said, Daddy, I'm afraid. He said, I heard a bump upstairs, and I thought it was a ghost dinosaur. Now, I want to admit, I don't always monitor what his mother lets him watch. (laughs) But I I have no idea where this came from. I'm pretty sure it's when we went to Disney World, and we were on a dinosaur ride that was for kids 12 and up, and uh, and there was a dinosaur there with red eyes. And he was four when he went on it, so there's probably some trauma. And uh, I called him over, and he was on my lap. He was shaking, and I was like, this kid is genuinely afraid. And so I said... Because I'm, you know, I'm a preacher, and and uh, I said, "Bro, Jesus makes fear go away." So we went upstairs to confront the bump, and we shouted, "Fear go away!" In the name of Jesus, I pulled out my phone, connected uh, connected it to our little Bluetooth speaker, put on. He turned it by Tide Tribbett. That's always a great crowd pleaser. <laughs> we could we turned up the volume to like 12 out of 10, and we ran around the kitchen. Screaming, scary dinosaurs, stay away! Jesus makes us brave, and we're we're just we're having a you know great time. And my son, at this point, I should probably um, let everyone know. Um, he's, he's, he's only in briefs at this particular moment. And he runs and he opens the door and he's standing there in, in his briefs and his hands are lifted like this. And he's going, Dinosaurs, get out of our house in Jesus' name. And it has now been six years since my closest neighbors have made eye contact with us. And... And so, anyway, I think this is over. We have put this to rest. The Lord has turned it. The dinosaurs with the red eyes are out of the house. And uh, the next night... Um my wife and I, we alternate putting Judy to bed. And, the, you know, it was that night I did dishes. The following night, it was my turn to put Judy to bed. And we got Judah, you know, next to the bed. And he and I are praying. We're doing our before bedtime prayer. He'd touch Nana, touch Papa, touch Grandpa and Grandma. And we're praying out the various needs. And as we're praying, he starts tapping me on my back. And so I'm praying, God, you know, touch Nana, touch Papa, touch all the aunties and the uncles and it's daddy 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 i know what's coming so i just i keep praying oh god oh like i'm calling daddy yes buddy daddy look at me tell jesus to be the dinosaur's boss tell him and I'm thinking again, really, like we we do not. it's nine o'clock, it's past your bedtime. God's already turned it. We're not going back through this all over again. And so attempting to be the rational father, I, I sit him up and I go, let's deal with this right now, dude. Dude, I want you to listen to me. Ghost dinosaurs, dinosaurs with red eyes, dinosaurs in general, they're dead. They're all gone, unless you think crocodiles are still dinosaurs. but That's another discussion for another day. But dinosaurs are not real and they most certainly are not in this house. Okay, it's in your mind. It's in your mind. It's in your mind, bro. Let's pray for the aunties and uncles and then daddy can finally leave this room and have some time to read a book or do something. No daddy, listen to me. Pray, pray daddy. Pray that Jesus be the boss of the dinosaurs. And before I could protest and put my foot down a second time, God of all people begins to talk to me and interrupts my thoughts and says no, pray. Pray. And then drops the first phrase of Psalm 74, 14 into my mind. Thou breakest the heads of the Leviathan in pieces. I thought this was weird, but I try to listen to God whenever I can. And so I close my eyes and I go, Jesus, be the boss of all of the dinosaurs, including the ones in this house. In your matchless and righteous name, amen tuck them in, and I go downstairs, and I begin to open up my Bible, and I begin to study, and I delved into the text. I want to read to you from the New Living Translation. It says in verse 12, You, O God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. You split the sea by your strength and smashed the heads of the sea monsters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan in pieces and let the desert animals eat him. And I was really intrigued by this story, and so I dove into some resources, and Turns out, the Leviathan is from Canaanite mythology. He was a seven-headed monster that the Canaanites believed lived in the sea and ruled the darkness. Same thing with the sea dragons or sea monsters of verse 13. They believe that if you got far enough into the ocean, you got into the unknown and the uncharted depths that the monsters would get you. For the culture of the time of the writing of the psalm and of the ancient Near East, their greatest fear was chaos for life to be out of control, for life to be in disarray, that bad things would happen and they could not be managed. And the Leviathan was the monster of chaos. He was the symbol of the unknown. He was the symbol of the darkness. He was a symbol of the question marks and the craziness of life. Life out of control. And he lived in the sea because no matter how much humanity could manage and control the land, the ocean is wild and untamed it cannot be controlled. And the Leviathan was the most evil force of chaos imaginable. He's what you could not predict or see. He's what turned your life upside down. He's what disrupted your predictable and safe life, bringing confusion and pain and trouble. And so this was overwhelming to me. And so I sought to find out where did this come from? Did somebody run into a shark? An alligator hauled something into a fishing boat, and then one thing led to another, and now we get a bigger story. But at least for all of my resources that I had, there was no connection to any real animal on land or sea anywhere that I could find. It was a straight up monster, which perplexed me. So, what in the world is this doing in the Bible? Why all this talk about God fighting dinosaurs? Why would God include mythological creatures in his book of truth? I mean, I get that he shuts the mouths of lions. I get that he gives you power over the wolves and the bears that come. And those are known, those are real threats. Why would God depict himself in his book of truth as triumphant over something that does not exist? Well, same reason he asked me to pray. Proclaiming him to be the boss of dinosaurs over my son. Because not everything that makes you afraid is real. Not everything that keeps you worried or awake at night has the actual potential of ever becoming reality. Often Satan's greatest attacks never materialize outside of your own mind and your own imagination. Satan is not the Leviathan, but he is the liar that tells you that the Leviathan is coming. The devil is not the chaos monster, but he is the myth maker that tells you that there is chaos that can come into your life, that whispers lies into your mind making you imagine all of the things that could go wrong with your life. We mentioned it last night, Pastor Jack did, that anxiety has become the word that defines our generation. And I believe that for many people, including those that live for God, that fear is the greatest paralyzer of this generation. What if I get sick like mom, dad, or grandpa or grandma did? Dad had a heart attack at 65. Mom got cancer at 65. What if I lose this job? What if I really commit to Jesus with all of my heart and it doesn't work out for me? What if my life doesn't get any better? What if I do all this stuff that pastor talks about and I come to church and I'm faithful and I pray and I pay my tithes and I make changes and I consecrate my life and I cut off my old friends and I stop going to those old places but it never works out for me. What if the blessings never come? What if the promises are never fulfilled? All of that faith, all of that time, all of that drama, all of that poured into Jesus and it turns out to be a bust. There's no guarantees to this life of faith it seems. What if I actually say yes to God's call and actually give myself completely to what He wants me to do? I'm afraid of how hard it could be. I love Jesus but I don't want to suffer for Him. I love coming to church and I want to go to heaven but I don't want to give my all to Him. I like my life. I'm comfortable with just showing up. I can sense there's more for me. I know God's calling me deeper and I crave it but surrender may take more from me than what I can give. What if I fail? What if I make a huge mistake and I ruin everything? What if this problem our family is facing is the one that takes us out? I could believe God for the other things I went through, but I'm not sure if I trust Him with this. What if this temptation I'm facing gets the best of me? I'm struggling with these thoughts. I'm struggling with these temptations. I I feel like it's drowning me. It's overwhelming me. I will never dig my way out of this lust. I will never dig my way out of this temptation. The anger at the abuse that I suffered, it will consume me. I'm filled with hurt. I'm filled with rage. That divorce, my husband who walked out. That, yes, I know I need to let go of the bitterness, but it's become so familiar to me. I'm afraid if I let it go, then I'm... I will lose the fence that is protecting me from getting hurt again. Will I, Pastor Adam, will I survive this season of my life? Will God actually take care of me? I've lived for Him my whole life. And I know He's come through, but I'm worried about my retirement. I'm getting older. I don't know. The world is changing. It's moving so fast. I don't know where I fit in in my church. I don't know where I fit in in my family. I don't want the world to pass me by. Well, my children survive this season every time I go on Facebook and I scroll there's another blogger, there's another influencer that's telling me how bad the world is telling me about the dangers that lurk behind every corner I don't want my kids to suffer like I did I don't want them to go through things like I did Maybe it's a crisis of faith. Maybe your Leviathan is a crisis of faith. The questions where you go, what if all this really isn't real? What if I get into some sort of philosophical debate with a family member on a holiday dinner and they ask me a question for which I do not have the answer? What if I get stumped? Or maybe you're a university student. What if I take that required philosophy class and that professor tries to unravel my faith how do I know I believe in the right thing? What if tomorrow I face a question for which I have no answers? How do I know that my faith is in the right thing? Here's the deal every bit that I have mentioned, you don't even know if this stuff's even gonna happen to you. You don't know if your family's going to fall apart. You don't know if as you age you will become increasingly irrelevant to your family to your church and to your broader society. You don't know if you're going to get sick. You don't know if your children are going to be bullied. You don't know if you're going to face a job loss. Oh, You don't know if any of this stuff is even going to happen. Most of the things that you are afraid of have never happened in your life yet and your fear is rooted in nothing but a hazy worst case scenario of what could but may never actually be you don't know but in your mind tomorrow has become a stronghold of murky chaos that is uncontrollable and unpredictable and now your imagination is working overtime over how it's all going to go down for many in this room, your greatest battle is not that your fears are connected to reality, but that you're afraid. A Psalm was written, this particular one was written after the invasion of Babylon. And Babylon had their own creation story. Creation stories are so very important. They give you your origin, what's right, what's wrong, and what's the solution. That's why Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are some of the most important chapters in your Bible. And Babylon had their own Genesis. They had their own origin story. And in Babylon, it was not Yahweh. It was not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Baal was the God of the empire. Baal in the worship of him was the spirit of the age. And their Genesis said, their story said, that the world was chaos and darkness and water and it was ruled by the Leviathan. And so Baal waded out into the water and fought and killed him and defeated the chaos monster. That's why you should worship Baal, the Babylonians said. Baal makes life easier and better so to all of you Jewish believers that are now under the power of our empire this following the God of your fathers and of the patriarchs has not really helped you out all of that much so if you want to be happy like us you need to live our lifestyle Baal lets you do what you want and be happy This, following standards and rules and codes of conduct and living a life of obedience to this Yahweh God has not worked out for you but all of the people that are in our empire should worship our God because you get to show up to our temple you burn a little incense you pay a little tax to the empire and then you get to go and live life as you please the spirit of our culture and our age makes your life so much better and the children of Israel are facing temptation the temptation now in captivity to turn away from the God of their fathers and serve the God of their culture. And the devil is still using the same tactic to people under pressure and facing problems and trials and trouble today if you just run as far away as possible from consecrating your life to God your life will get better and there is this deceptive story that plays in loop and on repeat in the minds of backsliding Christians where bondage feels like liberty Jesus said beware that the light that is in your eye is not really darkness there is a deceptiveness to worldliness It's the enemy saying, if you give me just a little bit of your life and a little bit of your time, I can improve your existence much better than the God who restricts your life that you hear about at church. It's less risky. This apostolic thing doesn't work out. Throw your trust in money, career, social media influence, your status... Be validated by your possessions. If you just give up on that holiness of life stuff, you won't stick out like a weirdo. Don't you just want to fit in? Don't you just want to enjoy life like a normal Canadian? I mean, don't you just want to not? I mean, there are other people, they go to church, they don't have to be so extreme. I mean, after all, who has the right to tell you what's right for you? Shouldn't you just live your truth? I know your religion says that there is the truth, the way, but come on, let's be reasonable. Let's be reasonable. Surely God is not so insecure that He is not comfortable with you doing what feels right to you right now. Like who has the power? To actually instruct you as to how you should live, how you should talk, spend your money, spend your time, who you should be in relationship with, what you do online, what entertains you. I mean, how dare they? Because in our culture, in our world, we let you have what you want and give you peace at the same time. This is what is at work in our culture right now. This is the work of the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear has no memory of God's past victories. There is no recall of God's past triumphs. No recall over how the presence of God got you through your trial six months ago, or six years ago, or the miracles that happened in decades past. All it knows is the moment you're stuck in and now feels like it is forever. Hear me as a guy that has fought a anxiety his whole life. When fear is at work, all you see is your present torment and you try to seek relief at any cost. But in Psalm 74, Asaph turns Babylon's story on its head and says, I get it. Life is not perfect right now. You may not be in charge. You may not be in power. And it may feel like the God of this world is the one calling the shots. But is not coming for you the God of this world is not going to protect you he's not the real God your culture is lying to you the false gods of this world they won't bring peace they won't bring hope they won't kill the chaos monsters in your life more money won't help you more status won't help you more things won't help you compromise will not save you it only brings more chaos and fear but There is one who will fight for you. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one true living God. He is the destroyer of fear and chaos. If you're looking for somebody to wade into the murky darkness of your life, look no further than the God who sits on the throne. See, tonight... I'm not here to sit down with every one person and weigh the probability of all your fears coming true. Number one, we don't have that kind of time tonight. I'm sure you need to get here tomorrow. Number two, I'm not God. I do not have the actuary tables or the intellect to walk through all the things that you think might happen to your kids, might happen to your finances, might happen to your marriage, and see whether or not they could come true. I'm just here to preach to you tonight that Jesus is the boss of the dinosaurs. That Jesus is the destroyer of fear. He is not just the master over the winds and the waves that are in your real life, but He is the destroyer of the chaos monster that you imagine is living underneath your bed that's keeping you worried about tomorrow. And so when you're staring into the future, Future, and everything feels murky and everything feels chaotic I want you to remember that God is the one that destroys your fear yeah. pastor Adam but what if the worst comes true what if the worst actually happens verse 16 A psalmist writes the day is yours the night also is yours he concludes his psalm by saying but God the day is yours the night also is yours. Do you understand what that means? God kills the fear monster. God kills the chaos monster. But even if the chaos marches into your life, he says, Asaph says, the Leviathan never owns your night in the first place. See, sometimes even Christians have this false narrative in their mind that God rules the good and that the devil he rules your night. That there is this yin yang going on. That there is this tension that God is on one side and the devil is on the other and they are of equal balance of power and it depends whatever season you're living in is the one who's sitting on the throne. No, Asaph says. Asaph says even when you walk through your night even if the worst comes true it's not the devil it's not the enemy it's not chaos that is sitting on the throne of your life but it is the God of heaven he is in control. He is in charge. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I need to tell this story. Uh, 2000, I wrote this in the middle of worship. God prompted me. In 2016, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. (coughs) It was endometrial cancer. The the answer was hysterectomy. That removed our ability to have any more kids. You wanna talk about chaos monster. you go into a doctor's office because they called you in three days after blood work. And they say, I need you to get here now. And you sit in a little cramped room in an old converted house in downtown Hamilton. And in your early 30s, you hear not only do you have cancer, but your prospects of future family are gone. Enjoy the kids you have. How was it? It was devastating. It was awful. We sobbed, we wept, we cried. I never, ever have I felt so empty. I'd go and I'd preach and in between services, I'd just go back to my hotel room and I'd lay on the floor in the fetal position. I said nothing left. My wife's crying, we're afraid because her mother has had cancer nearly as long as I have known Stephanie's mother. We're shattered, we're heartbroken what was the end result, Adam, of going through that worst case scenario? What was the end result of having your hopes and your dreams for the future be ruled or ruined by the darkness of your night? I'll tell you standing six years later we had our sixth anniversary just a few months ago of her being cancer free what is the end result of walking through that darkness I'll tell you what it is it's more compassion, more empathy more love for Jesus than ever before a stronger marriage, a stronger love for God, more anointing more authority, more power in the spirit because the The Leviathan doesn't rule the night. The devil doesn't rule the darkness. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords, He is in charge of your life. He controls it. It's not the enemy that orders your life. It's not the enemy that orders your circumstance. But it is Jesus Christ. He sits on the throne of your triumph and your darkness. Jesus is the champion. He's the champion over fear. Real or imagined. Put your hands to Jesus right now. So Sohokan dalabasi. Yerabosan dalabosai yadabasiye bahaye. He's the Lord over your imagination. He's the destroyer of your fear and anxiety. Musicians, come. I'm coming quickly to a close. You, O God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. You've split the sea by your strength. You smashed the heads of the sea monsters. You crushed the heads of the Leviathan. Listen to this. And let the desert animals eat him. Look at that contrast. I'm no poetry guy, but look at that contrast. The mythology said what? The chaos and fear monster. He lives, where? In the sea, but then God takes him and he puts him in the desert. And there he destroys him. God takes the Leviathan to the one place he cannot survive. The one place that he cannot live. And there, the hand of God triumphs over him. I want you to hear me. There is a place that fear cannot survive. There is a place where your anxiety is crushed. There is a place where depression is annihilated. There is a place where God can take your fear about tomorrow. And he can bury it. He can. Destroy it, he can crush it, and you can live free. Here it is. First John 4. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But who he fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Hear me. There is a place where fear cannot survive. There is a place where your worry is crossed. There is a place that chaos cannot survive. future cannot survive in the love of Jesus there's only hope in the love of Jesus there's only peace in the love of Jesus God is not out to punish you God is not out to curse you God loves you and he's here to help you he's here to lift you up tonight and cause you to be free stand with me all over this room here's how you access this fear, monster, dinosaur, annihilating love. And here's how we're going to end tonight. Romans 5.5 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I am not preaching the power of positive thinking. I am not preaching height to get you all drummed up so that you can stomp your feet, wave your hands and get a good old church service high and then hopefully you'll feel better tomorrow. No, I'm talking about a spiritual transformation that no matter what season life does throw at you if it becomes night or night never comes that you can live full of faith, you can live full of hope, you can live and the power of the Holy Spirit and that's when the Holy Ghost comes in and pours the love of Jesus into your spirit. Fear cannot survive. When the love of Jesus fills you, depression cannot survive. The love of Jesus fills you. Six months after her surgery, I've told this story before, but I feel led to tell it again. My wife got a sore throat They did an ultrasound. They found calcified lesions all over her thyroid. And they said, Mrs. Shaw, there's a good chance that this is cancer. Everything points to cancer. We're gonna do one more ultrasound and then we're gonna do a fine needle aspiration and I want you to prepare yourself for surgery well, we walked into that final ultrasound did we walk in crushed did we walk in despondent did we walk in hopeless no, we held hands and we prayed before my wife made the long, lonely walk into that ultrasound room because I wasn't able to be with her. We held our hands and we prayed and we said, Jesus, whatever you want to do, do it. You're in control of our life. You're in control of our future. We refuse to be ruled by the fear of disease. We refuse to be ruled by the fear of cancer. We refuse to let this Spirit have done dominance in our mind. And six weeks later, my wife got a phone call at work and the surgeon was screaming on the phone saying I don't know how you're so lucky because they're gone. All of them are gone. Those lesions have disappeared. Your surgery's canceled. Your needle aspiration is canceled. Mrs. Shaw, you are cancer free. Hear me. The love of Jesus destroys fear. The love of Jesus destroys the power of fear. You're here tonight and you're worried about things that are happening. You are stressed about may what happen. In the next 30 seconds, the Holy Ghost is going to fall in this room. and God will take your fear into the one environment where it cannot breathe. The presence of His love. And tonight, it's going to destroy that spirit tonight, he's going to annihilate that spirit tonight. You're going to leave this house, and it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow because you will have learned by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus Christ is in control of your life. They're going to sing. And the presence of God will move, but it's not gonna be a song. It's gonna be the Holy Ghost that's gonna fall in this room. In fact, let's do this. If you're here and the something that I have said has made an impact in your life, you identify with the dominating power of stress and fear. And you are desperate to no longer be controlled, no longer have your joy rise and fall by the fear of your tomorrow. I want you to come to this altar right now. I know I'm asking you to be vulnerable. I'm asking for you to take a step of faith. But I want you to get to this altar right now. Fear likes to hide. Fear likes to hide. I talked about anxiety last night. I never got free till I was willing to become vulnerable. Fear likes to live in the shadows. Fear does not like the light, but we are dragging it out into the light right now. I want to pray a very simple prayer of faith. When I say in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. I want you with your hands lifted to begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. If that's never happened to you, it's going to get hard for you to pray in a language that you understand. It's going to get hard for you to, if it's English, it'll be English, if it's French, if it's French, if it's Spanish, Spanish, whatever it is. And when that happens, I want you to surrender your tongue to Jesus. I am a believer that the Holy Ghost is the answer to anything that is going on in your life in the present whether it is your mental health or your physical body or your faith the Holy Ghost is the solution and what you need is a fresh infilling from the Spirit of God so I wonder if right now we can just lift our hands we're going to pray a quick prayer of expectation and I'm going to pray the prayer of faith Jesus see our hearts Jesus, see our hearts that are so clouded. See our hearts that are so consumed. See our hearts, Lord, that are so filled with worry and doubt and fear. God, we cast it off. God, we repent and we turn towards you. We confess with our mouth right now that you are Lord, not worry, not fear, not doctors' reports, not the culture. You, oh God, are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Fill us, fill us, fill us with a love that breaks the yoke. Fill us with a power that destroys the spirit of fear. Fill us with the power that annihilates anxiety. We're now ready to receive. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're now ready to receive. I want you to lift your hands. When I say in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost, I want you to let out a shout of praise. And music team, get ready. I want you to let out a shout of praise in the second hallelujah that you're going to say. It's not going to be in English. It's not going to be a language that you understand. It is going to be in other tongues as the Spirit of God fills you. And you're going to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready for the chain to be broken? Are you ready for the Leviathan in your life to be crushed? it's going to happen right now by the authority of the Word of God by the blood that was shed on Calvary I curse the spirit of fear in your life and I lose love I lose power I lose the sound mind may you be filled by the power of the name of Jesus may you be filled with the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus name hallelujah be filled be filled be filled In the name of Jesus, be filled. In the name of Jesus, be renewed. In the name of Jesus.